Welcome back to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC, and I'm joined once again for episode 43 by the one and only Jimmy Starr. In today's episode, we're going to talk about World Championship Wrestling. We touch on the Monday Night Wars back in the late 90s, early 2000s, who we liked, who we didn't, and everything in between. If you are new to the podcast, welcome along, and we hope you enjoy the show. If you do, don't forget to subscribe to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast so you never miss out on another episode again. I will be back at the close of the show just to wish you well, and in the meantime, buckle up for episode 43 of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, WCW edition. So Jim, we've covered ECW quite a lot on the podcast. Now, something we've mentioned a few times is WCW, but we haven't really gone into it in detail. What are your sort of earliest and fondest memories of WCW? Um, I think my earliest memory of WCW or realising that a separate company existed was probably around about 1992, 93, when um, I used to go into my uh, local, this is how old I am, local video shop. And um, for some reason, my video shop, could, uh, I did, we didn't have like a Blockbusters or, you know, any any big chain video shop in my town. I lived in Hunstanton. We had, uh, we had, we had a little independent one called Anglia Rentals. And um, they had uh, they had some wrestling tapes and and there wasn't any WWF ones there, but there was WC. What I learned later were WCW ones, and I put them on and I, I didn't recognize much to them at the time because you know what it's like. Like when you're a kid, you watch wrestling for for the stars and and stuff. You watch wrestling to see your favorite wrestlers. You don't watch it really for the match quality. Um, but I do remember I do remember Sting quite vividly surface sting with a short blonde hair and uh, his intensity and stuff like that. And um, I think round about 1993, when I saw it, also British Bulldog was there as well. He was sort of flipped back and forth quite a bit between WWE and WCW. And it was his one of his, one of his stints there. And it was him and uh, it was him and Sting tagging against who I later find out was um, I think it was I think it was what definitely one of them was Vader. I think the other one was was Sid Vicious, and that was the main event of that particular card. And I just remember loving Sting and remembering British Bulldog. Um, and there was a few other guys there that I knew just from from being in in WWE. Sorry. But um, yeah, Sting was my first sort of real, real introduction into, uh, you know, a WCW wrestler, someone who wasn't involved in the WWF, someone who, you know, I knew just, you know, wasn't a part of that crew. And then so that was my sort of like, oh, fuck, there must be more than, you know, there must be more than one wrestling organization out there, you know. Um, and, and so that was my my first introduction um and uh you know I, I i thought it was i thought it was you know i thought it was pretty cool i i could tell it wasn't wwe you know um because they you know sort of wwe in the late 80s early 90s when i started watching them were huge and wcw were you know were pretty mismanaged i think around about that time so you know they were they were always known as the sort of smaller organization but um but yeah, that that video shop, Angular Rentals, had had a few WCW videos there, and uh, yeah, I just 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 watched them just out of curiosity, and 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 Sting was the one, Surface Sting, 
was the one that stuck in my memory. What, what, what about you? Well, I didn't really get into WCW until like the Monday Night Wars, you know, back sort of, I guess, 99, 2000 when I was in sort of high school because I didn't really know much about wrestling when I was like super young, you know, like eight, nine, ten. But I always remember my, my cousin Joe. He, I think he was into like WWF back, you know, in sort of the 90s in the, the era of Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior and, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper and those kind of that echelon of superstars there and he had all of the like the action figures and you could almost tell which ones were the sort of the premium action figures because they always like moved a little bit you'd have like the Hulk Hogan and his leg would come up and do a boot or you have the ultimate warrior where he'd flick something on his back and it looked like he was gorilla pressing people and then he also had the WCW ones do you remember the 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 molded WCW action figures that you, you couldn't do anything yeah, with them. You had yeah, like the sting. Yeah, so you had the sting who was doing like, you know, the, the flex pose. And the only thing you could really do with him was like, you could possibly do a suplex if you sort of like moving around or you could do like a cutter with him or like a diving headbutt off the top rope. So you would always have the WWE or F characters go over because they were the most sort of malleable and workable characters. So I just remember from that instance thinking okay wwf is the elite company wcw because they make crapper toys they they're not sort of the the main company but i think back then i didn't really know what wrestling was i didn't really get it i didn't really know there was a difference between you know one or the other i just maybe assumed that it was sort of like football you know you think football back in the day oh there's manchester united and then there's liverpool i just assumed they were you know sort of two different competing teams in the same arena in the same league but not realizing they're actually two different sort of companies it could be like you know the english Premier League and the the Spanish League or whatever they're two completely separate leagues they don't play together but back in my day I, I didn't really know what I was doing with wrestling I just liked picking up these figures and slamming them around and I'll tell you what though the WCW characters the the figurines they were definitely a little bit indestructible I had a few dogs chew on them and they lasted a bit better than the um the WWF figures so I guess for me sort of back in the day that was my first memory you're right they were they, yeah they were unbreakable you can break them but obviously that's because you couldn't move them. But the 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 WCW, I remember as a as a kid actually brought brought something actually that's just fucking clicked in my mind. When I was a kid, I had obviously loads of WWE figures. Um, I a WWF figure, sorry, I had all, all of them. But I didn't have. Um, uh, I asked for a birthday present um, uh, to get me a, uh, a WWF ring, like. To, to play because you could buy the ring, couldn't you? To play with the with the wrestlers in, and um, by mistake, um, my parents bought me a WCW ring, and I was like, "What the fuck's this WCW?" Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I felt robbed. Do you know what I mean? I felt was about. I think I was about eight, nine. I felt I felt you know bereft that I had this WCW ring when I wanted my WWF one. They corrected that at Christmas, but actually, the WCW toy ring was better, much better, because it had, like, these buttons at the side with little, like, just these little sort of sound bites from commentary, like, from commentators. So you could fucking press the buttons and they'll be like, oh, what a slam, or whatever. Or you hear Tony Schiavone going, oh, he knew he took his head off with that drop kick or something like that. Or he's going to the top. And it also came with a cage as well, like, with the, with, with the toy. You didn't have to buy it separately like you did with the WWE ring. So the actual ring, the toy rings, the WCW ring was actually better than the WWF ring. 
but um, you know that didn't matter to me. WWF was the be all and end all, you know. So you know, but looking back on it, you know, you, you got a lot more bang for your buck with the WCW ring. I have to say, just not with the the, the toys because, like I say, you couldn't. You couldn't move them. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, a lot of my um, sort of wrestling toys were sort of hand-me-downs or like car boot finds. So I would have, you know, all these different wrestlers. I'd probably even find like the Poundland wrestlers where it was like Bulk Bogan or something like that. And it was just a random, you know, Jake the Chameleon or something crazy knockoff, you know, character. But I do remember one of the WCW rings. You can still get them now. You go into town shops and there's like, yeah, wrestling challenges. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's fucking like yeah, but bone hold like fucking God, yes, yeah, not something like that. Like, they're, they're diet. But um, but yeah, you but yeah, you're right. Like after I, you know, I watched those few videos. Maybe it wasn't until the Monday Night Wars when I realised that WCW had got their game together, and and then it was sort of like because I I did have a bit of a breakthrough from watching wrestling because wrestling got so dire in the sort of mid nineties until the Attitude Era started up again. But by the time I'd started watching wrestling again, I, WCW was available to, for, for me to watch and WWE. And all, all my mates would all gather around to watch sort of both shows. And I, I, I just suddenly noticed, fuck, like all the, all the guys that I remember as a kid are, are now in WCW. And, you know, WWE have got all these new, you know, cool guys and like, and then you, you just obviously started learning about the storyline and stuff. But the, the one thing that WCW did introduce me to was the, you know, which completely blew my mind was, was the cruiserweights, you know, the cruiserweights and the Lucha Libre style. Um, I think WCW, I know ECW did that um, on a sort of smaller scale um, and brought Mysterio, Psychosis, even to Guerrero and stuff like that in, but, WCW put that on a worldwide platform and I'd never seen anything like that. And, you know, WCW didn't seem to really appreciate the the value of those guys, I don't think. So they would always put them on quite early on in the card and give them and give them time because the older guys didn't want to do as much time. Um, and it was always, it was just, it just blew my mind. You know, it, 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 the stuff that, they could do and how far wrestling had come just in that couple of years that I'd lost track of it, you know, just how far and, and how athletic and, you know, and how, and, and sort of like it was, a, it suddenly became obtainable because these guys were small. They were smaller than, you know, than, 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 you know, than I was going to be, you know, like, you know, you got sort of five for five, five for four, five for six guys, you know, I know granted they're doing hugely athletic things, but, Back when I was a kid, you would never see a wrestler under fucking sort of six four. Do you know what I mean? And like these guys are look like look like human beings, but are just doing sort of completely superhuman stuff. Um, and I can remember the, the first time I saw like Rey Mysterio and Huma Tu Guerrero, and just thinking, Christ, like this is just how the fuck are they doing it? Like it probably seems quite archaic now, but like it was to 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 me then like. I'd, I'd never seen a, I'd never seen a springboard moonsault like you know like that to me was something that I didn't think could be done do you know what I mean yeah I think for me that kind of realization happened sort of almost after the fact because I got into wrestling basically at that time so 
I kind of watched a bit of WWF and then realised that there was another wrestling show on whatever it was, Bravo, TNT, whatever the cable channels were at the time, you know, the Sky channels. And I remember like tuning into sort of, I think it... I think Nitro was on on a Friday night in the UK. So I think like I basically had the television for the Friday night. My parents didn't have a choice. I was going to sit there from probably, you know, eight o'clock in the evening until maybe 1am watching sort of four or five hours of wrestling because I think at one point Nitro even went to three hours. So it was kind of like a back and forth thing of, you know, Nitro, Raw, Raw, Nitro, Nitro, Raw, Raw, because they were both on on a Friday night here. And yeah, I think I, I got introduced to WCW. So I thought that was kind of the norm. I didn't really think it was anything obviously I thought it was outstanding I loved it I loved watching them the masks that was really cool like you said the size was more relatable their athleticism was incredible but I just thought that was kind of like normal I just thought okay these guys have got the smaller guys they've got the the cruiserweight division the light light heavyweight division and sort of WWF at the time did go on to kind of copy WCW but they just didn't do it as good because they had people like S.A. Rios, who was amazing, you know, Takamichi Noku, and then later on sort of possibly sort of put in there like the Hardy Boys and that kind of ilk, smaller guys, big athleticism and um, high-risk manoeuvres and stuff like that. But I guess for me, it was more, I don't know, WCW just seemed a bit more kind of chaotic to me, and I don't know really why that was. I think they were just trying to do outdo WWE at that point. I think WWE had had a better I think we've covered this before as well like WWE had a better second half of the show so you'd always want to tune into that and WCW would always have a better first half of the show but they would always do something crazy sort of in the middle and it always it always tempted me not to switch over to WWE but I think I always did because uh, well I don't really know I think I just wanted to give sort of a 50-50 sort of split attention to, to both companies to see what was going on. Because I always remember every advert break, I'd always switch over to the other one. And I'm guessing they had that in mind to, you know, when WWE was on an ad break, WCW had to be on air and sort of vice versa. Because, well, that was the Monday Night War, wasn't it? So, you know, we were just sort of vying for attention and going back and forth. But um, I think what I really fondly remember about WCW is not necessarily the, the cruiserweights, but it's when they kind of introduced... I think it's basically when they raided ECW and I didn't really know what ECW was before that. I sort of got into ECW after the fact. I sort of went retroactively. Uh, it was people like kind of Raven, Lance Storm, when they came in, they weren't they weren't heavyweights, but they weren't cruiserweights. They were sort of somewhere in the middle and they started sort of introducing a little bit more kind of hardcore stuff and they did, um, I think they brought in their own hardcore title and they had that kind of thing. So that sort of really sticks out to me, but I don't think it really does for other people because I either think they think of the cruiserweights, and then they think of, you know, the, the heavyweights, the Goldbergs, the Sid Viciouses, the, the Hogans, the Savages, and stuff like that. What about you? Did you really have that, did that have an effect on you at all? The the kind of the mid, well, super mid-card guys? Yeah, no, I, I love that. Like you said, you know, the, 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 way, the way me and my mates used to work it was um, we used to go around uh, a mate of mine's house and watch Nitro all the way through, and I'd record at my house, I'd record Monday Night Raw, so straight after, as soon as Nitro was finished, which was about midnight, we'd fucking bubble back home to my, uh, to my house. And uh, my parents didn't give a shit what I did, really. And uh, they were always very accommodating to my friends. And then we'd sit there and watch Raw. The Raw was a two-hour show. So like, so I, I got to, we got to see both shows. Because you're right, I, they were like... In in America, they were both, you know, live on Mondays, 
well, Nitro was. I think Raw was sometimes taped bad and sometimes live, but either or, we had it on a Friday. And um, so, <clears throat> so, so, you know, I, we, I used to watch the whole show. And I, I, like you say, I did normally find the first two hours entertaining because, like you say, you, you, once you had your cruiserweights doing all the, all the crazy sort of stuff, which didn't make a... It, 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 watching it back, like, watching it back now, some of the cruiserweight stuff, um, you know, like, because because I I'm not a fan of as, as people as people know listen to this podcast and it's followed there. I'm not a fan of yeah um, you sort of AEWs and things like that and um, and, and uh, uh, pro wrestling gorillas and all that sort of stuff because I don't I don't see a great deal of psychology in 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 what they do. Um, and I think people think that sometimes it's, it's, it's I don't like cruiserweights, but I, I do. I, lo- I love cruiserweights, um, and, I, I, and I love it when it's done like it was done in WCW with the story, but also with the fact that these guys are bringing their heritage and bringing their culture into, you know, into, into uh, an American show, but obviously into my eyes, so, you know, into, into my life. And I can learn, a, you know, I can see a different style and a different culture and a different psychology of wrestling because, well, every country has a different psychology. You know, Japan, Mexico, England, you know, but we, being British wrestling had a, a totally different psychology to American wrestling, for example. As long as there was some psych- psychology and, and, it, and it was steeped in, in, their, in their psychology, I, I never minded. Um, but that that's sort of going slightly off track a little bit. The, cru- the cruiserweights always amazed me. But yeah, I did. I loved people like Raven. I loved people like Saturn, Canyon, um, Benoit. Um, you know, guys like that because they would always put some put some amazing you know matches together. And I think what a name I just brought up there, Canyon, who's obviously not with us anymore. He was fucking great. Like he was a huge innovator of moves. I don't know if you remember Can- Canyon at all. He went for a load of sort of shitty gimmick changes. I don't think they really knew what to do with him. Um, but he was awesome. And when he would get in the ring with someone like a Saturn or a Benoit or whatever, or someone and um, people who could do and take his moves, um, he he did moves that he was like the innovator of offense. He 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 came up with moves that a lot of guys today use um, that that just you know that, that were never used before. Um, and um, things that you just that really fucking look like they hurt. And he was a really superb bump taker as well. Chris Canyon, amazing bump taker. And he made his, his opponents look really good, hugely, hugely underrated. But that, yeah, but that sort of lightweight to mid card um, uh, section of the show, which was, yeah, then that sort of first sort of, you know, hour and a half, two hours was always hugely entertaining. Um, I, I, and then when you went to sort of like the third hour of Nitro, um, uh, there'd be always be a lot of wafty stuff with the NWI and stuff. And I, and initially I, I, I did like the NWI when there was less, less members, but, um, and it, probably when you started watching the NWI, like half or if not more of the roster, were you know members of the NWO, but when it was a small faction, Hogan, you know, uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and maybe one or two others as they as they sort of you know add them on, that was fine. But when it was just like fucking everyone was in NWO, fucking 
you know, Virgil was in NWO and fucking Buff Bagwell was in NWO and Kurt Henning was in NWO and Scott Norton was in NWO and like people you never heard of. Like you just knew that like the last hour was always going to be a bit of a clusterfuck and, you know, it just a lot of talking, a lot of shit. Like it was weird. It was like Nitro sort of liked to put their talking on towards the end of the show and do their big long promos towards the end. But Raw would cut their promos at the start, like, and set up for the show and then carry on with the wrestling and then normally end on a really sort of hot match or hot angle with Austin fucking dumping some cement in someone's car or driving a driving a fucking beer truck down the aisle and spraying Vincent Man with beer or whatever or making him drink a pint of piss or I don't fucking know. But you know what I mean? Like it would always it would always sort of end on a on a on a hot note where I always thought Nitro started off with a bang and gradually declined as a show and Raw started off a little bit sort of and then ended up being, you know, ending up ended up at, at, on an absolute belter. You know, not every week, but that was the way I sort of saw Raw and Raw and Nitro um, as a as a as a as a sort as a, as a show um when 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 i was watching them but yeah i think wcw if it wasn't for their sort of lower car guys and middle car guys like you were talking about like raven and stuff like that and having his flock and the raven's rules and all that sort of stuff it, it kept things interesting it definitely kept things interesting and i think that they owe a lot to their mid card guys because the 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 sort of the older guys like savages and hogan's and nashes and stuff did seem to you know, take the piss a bit. I mean, if you watch it now, you know, they're sort of doing sort of four minute matches like at the end where the, you know, and they're meant and they're getting the fucking most much they're getting the you know the biggest paydays. And that, you know, it's it it does it does seem a bit wrong now, but that was the way the the show was sort of set out. And you know, I can't say I noticed it as a kid too much. Um but you know as a as a as a wrestler and as a someone who sets out a show now and you know, promote shows like I, I can see, I can see there were definitely some people really coasting in WCW. You know, the big stars who should have been pulling in the pulling in the money and putting in the effort, um, either weren't able to do so or just couldn't be fucked. You know? Yeah, I I agree in a sense where going back to sort of the the NWO kind of thing, I think I got in like you said when it basically expanded and included everyone and then there was the sort of the side chain of the NWO wolf, wolf pack who sort of wore red and black instead of black and white and then there was the, the the Mexican world order and then everybody had their own little faction and I just remember not knowing who was who, not knowing who was against who and just thinking is everybody like a bad guy and not really knowing who was who really confused me in the latter half of the show, which is why I think I went over to to Raw because I think it was pretty cut and dry who was the who was the face and who was the heel on Monday Night Raw. You turned on, you saw Mick Foley, and, and you kind of knew he was this twisted character, but he was always a babyface. When he got out soccer, everybody would pop. You know, The Rock would come in, he would do his moves, he would raise his eyebrow, he would do a promo, taking the mick out of somebody, saying it doesn't matter what your name is, and you'd go, yes, I like that guy. Stone Cold comes down and... and you know, beats his boss up and stunners everybody and drinks a beer and you're like, yeah, that guy. And then like sort of Hogan in WCW would come out acting cool and you'd be like, oh yeah, he's got cool music. I like this whole NWO thing, but he's doing bad stuff, but people sort of like him. 
and everybody's a heel and the only real baby faces are like DDP, Goldberg and Sting. So they were always and maybe Flair at some points, but then I don't know if some of them joined NWO and it got a little bit convoluted towards the end. So sort of and no, and going... No, and there was never a clean finish, like in a main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was never... It, to, to be honest with you, in a lot of WCW, especially towards the end, there wasn't a clean finish in any match ever. Like, it was so overbooked. Like, if you, if, you, if you think about it, like, when WWE was so much better at making stars, like, when everyone in WWE during the sort of Monday Night Wars everyone, no matter who was on the card, you know, whether they were, you know, lower down or higher, they all had a story or something to do or they were in a feud that meant something or they were in a faction that meant, meant something. I mean, if you watch WCW, it'd be great. Like, you might see someone like, I don't know, La Parker, but then fucking, well, great, La Parker, when we next going to see him? What does he do? Who the fuck's he? He looks weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we'll, we'll see him again in another six months. But he's, he's on the roster, do you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's in WCW, he's, he's getting paid. But he, what is that they had such a huge roster of people that I feel that they, they couldn't make any stars apart from the ones that they stole or acquired, you know, from, from other, other companies. Yeah, that's a really good point you make there, actually, because, like you said, WWE could make stars, whereas WCW took existing stars, and sometimes they did like amazing things with them. Like, I think there's no denying that like, the whole NWO thing is pretty genius. You know, from from its inception, the way they handled Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan's turn, like that was, you know, people are going to look back on that in in decades and go, that was a genius piece of sort of writing and booking and the the way it was done, and then obviously it tailed off and and you know, went went to shit. But like, whereas WWE, they probably didn't they didn't need those guys. They didn't need a Hulk Hogan. They didn't need a a Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. They just went, okay, who's this weird twisted guy with a mask on? I reckon he can be champion, and he becomes one of the biggest stars in the business like who's this sort of middling kind of Samoan guy who's got a lot of charisma looks really great uh let's push him to the moon he becomes the rock you know the biggest superstar in all of history probably now stone cold starts off in in the mid card cuts his cuts his promo they shoot him to the moon and then you know all these other bigger guys like a hulk hogan like a, a rowdy ruddy piper or whoever rick flair they're just sort of pushed to the side. They go over to WCW for a bigger payday and they're already stars. So WCW benefits from that, but almost WWE benefited because they had to sort of turn on a dime and use the guys that they had. I, I guess it's similar to sort of falling star wrestling as well. You know, sometimes, sometimes you might have a couple of people come for a few weeks and you think, oh, that's, that's, that's a really good guy. And you, you want to push them to the moon, but then come showtime you sort of have to work with who you've got and what you've got and use them to the best of your ability rather than sort of booking a, a show around kind of one main guy or one main faction like WCW did they had the NWO they had Sting sort of fighting against them they had DDP later on kind of being the the, the hero and stuff like that but uh, sort of WWE had to had to try harder whereas WCW didn't does that does that really make sense to you at no, all? No no it, to it totally makes sense and, that, and that's the thing like that whole 83 week run that WCW had of, of you know um, get, getting higher ratings than than WWF you know to 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 some I mean I don't know Vince McMahon personally but the people I've spoke to who do and through interviews and shoot interviews and just you know just being obsessed with wrestling for years um, you know he he is 
actually a fucking a, a, rest, a, a genius um, you know when it comes to wrestling when it comes to booking um so you know he'll he'll turn fucking he'll turn shit into gold and if and him being under that sort of pressure of potentially losing a business and it and it did his business and it did come pretty close to it at that point uh, at some points um you know he he's not going to let that happen so out of desperation sometimes comes genius and i think that during in for, for wcw um you know if if you look at if you look at what well, sorry let's go back to the wwe during their time of just um you know not not i mean they weren't i think that's bad ratings i mean the attitude era the fucking even the ratings when they well like whilst they were losing like to wcw they would kill for those ratings now wwe would they're they're in the you know they're really it's 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 the fact that they're they're a totally different structured company that they'll go on forever now that it's nothing to you know back but back then it was it was a it was a business it was a family business and um you know, so it, it totally relied on, on on the income that you know that they could generate themselves. So you know, you had, but but then in that couple of years span, like you said, in that couple of years span where you know that eighty three weeks or whatever, where the WCW were winning, you know, WWE pushed Austin to the moon. DX were on fire. The Rock was fucking up and coming, and then he ended up, you know, just uh, on fire. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had then the, when when DX sort of um, finished, Triple H was was coming up, and he was on fire. Mankind, Undertaker was, you know, was always huge. Um, you know, even like the New Age Outlaws as tag teams were. Were, were a huge tag team, you know, and, and there's millions of others that, that well, not millions, but there's loads of other stars that I'm forgetting. Like, even someone like Val Venus was cool as fuck, you know what I mean? Like, people that I'm forgetting now that were stars that had stories and that had, and that you could follow and that you could get behind or hate or love or whatever. You know, in that, in, in from 1996 to 2001, when WWE bought WCW, the only real, thing i can think that they did really was the nwo angle which was genius and you know they they fucking lived off it for for quite a long time and the 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 only star that they really created was goldberg um you know i i can't really think off the top of my head um you know obviously there was the cruiserweights and stuff but you know what I'm talking about making. You know these were already established guys in other countries, and you know they were sort of just. But they, but 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 WCW didn't look at them as as stars where they should have been because they were the younger generation who who should have been filtering through. But it seemed like the older generation in WCW didn't want to let the younger guys get that push. In WWE, I think the competition, even internally, was dog eat dog. Plus, everyone was a lot younger in WWE. I mean, you've got to bear in mind when Austin was on top, he was fucking like younger than me. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he was sort of in his early 30s. Um, you know, it's, it's odd to think that, but you know, when he was he was running around beating up Vince McMahon and, and flipping flipping the bird, he was in his 30s. You know, and Hulk Hogan's sort of like in his late 40s at the time. You know. And he's not willing to 
you know, to to help bring up the the, the guys that need to be brought up to to be made stars. The only one that for some reason was totally undeniable was Goldberg, and I think that that's for two reasons. One, he he came across legitimate, which I think rest, and this has been my argument for years. This is why I would watch a Goldberg match over a Young Bucks match any day of the fucking week um, is because there's legitimacy to to what he does, even if it looks clunky and shit and is over in two minutes. At least there's a realism to it. So, you you know, Goldberg got over because he was legitimate. Um, and WCW did did do it right. They did feed him feed him jobbers and, and give him – and then start feeding him a few stars, and then he eventually beat Hogan and stuff. So he did do it right that way. But he was he, he was um, legitimate. But also, I think – and I know it sounds stupid, but I think another a big reason to, for his success was he, he looked a hell of a lot like Austin. And I think that I, I don't think people got them mixed up, but I think people did just sort of like, you know, if, if, if they were entirely different wrestlers, but they looked a hell of a lot, a hell of a like. And um, so, so the two guys on top of the company, to, on top of you know uh, the, the the each company, looked a hell of a like. So I was like, which one's your favorite? Is it Goldberg? Is it Austin? Is it Austin? Is it Goldberg? So it kept Goldberg a lot more relevant than than his wrestling skills. Um, uh, actually would have done if that makes sense do you know what I mean Cause it, yeah, it, I never really thought about it that way, actually. It's a really interesting point because I always just assumed that people used to fantasy book Austin versus Goldberg based on their sort of status and their kind of anti-authoritarian, although Goldberg wasn't really, you know, anti-authority, but he was the guy that would go in and, and kick ass, whereas that was that was WWF's counterpart, Stone Cold. He would go in, you know, raise hell, kick ass, you know, pin one, two, three and leave and, you know, they they look yeah they they seemed very similar because they were both on top but I never really kind of put them together they were both kind of meaty bald guys with a with a with a goatee <laughs> and yeah I guess I guess maybe Goldberg could have leached off of a little bit of success of Stone Cold I don't think he did I think WCW did a really good good job booking him and oh, no, like I you said I don't, I don't think there was a leech in there but I just think the fact that they looked really similar like made the fans like have to choose you know what I mean because like made the fans have to choose so it was like Goldberg's name was always was always mentioned alongside Steve Austin's but when in reality Steve Austin is obviously I mean he's Goldberg can't really cut a promo um Goldberg can't really wrestle I mean he can beat the shit out yeah fuck you up probably but he can't really wrestle Austin's a fantastic wrestler um, but I'm not saying that that that, that it was a you know the Goldberg um, you know didn't sort of earn his place and WCW didn't do well by feeding stars. But I just I just think that the fact that they looked so much alike um, forced forced an audience of of you know millions and millions and millions of fans to to choose. And I just think it was. A bit more compelling to watch Goldberg just mow people down for 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 that couple of, for that sort of year year or two streak or whatever he has than than maybe it was watching Austin until the McMahon stuff really kicked in and when the McMahon stuff really kicked in I think that's when Goldberg lost some of his traction and also when Goldberg streak streak 
ended um, after Nash beat him. And uh, uh, did you ever see the match that Goldberg lost, where 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 Scoffle tasered him, um, came down into fifth, tasered him, and Nash beat him? Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know whether I saw it because. I never ever watched any of the WCW pay-per-views because I don't know where they aired on UK TV and I don't think I had the internet back then to actually find out who won. So I would always go kind of go week to week with Nitro and I would have to catch up on the previous night's sort of pay-per-view by watching Nitro, whereas WWF, they had their sort of little affiliation with, with Channel 4. They had a couple of um, pay-per-views every year and then they obviously had the, the Sky Box Office stuff or the Sky Sports ones. So I would always, you know, videotape the the WWF pay-per-views and watch them you know whether it's waking up at four o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning before school and and trying to get through the pay-per-view or watching it live and you know then waking up for school a couple of hours late and being tired throughout the day but I don't think I ever watched a live or recorded WCW pay-per-view so I never really got to see any of their like kind of payoffs or and, and stuff like that but I don't think that really hindered them because I think that WCW knew that maybe a lot of people probably wouldn't or couldn't afford like the pay-per-view so they did their sort of almost their their business on nitro which i quite appreciated whereas wwf would always kind of tease you up into the pay-per-view and make you watch it wcw would sometimes be like hey we've got a world title match on nitro and it's fine and then you'd have a title change you know two weeks before the pay-per-view and you're like oh that was cool i don't need to buy the pay-per-view now which is which is a really weird thing to do because that's probably why they were beating raw in in the ratings for so long because they were almost playing their 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 monday night shows as pay-per-views whereas wwf were trying to earn money on their their box office by building up these matches towards the pay-per-view and having the big blow-off matches you know and and stuff like that does that yeah does that make sense they did they did um goldberg versus hogan in the georgia dome they did that on a nitro and that was in front of like fucking 68,000 people. I mean, that's a pay-per-view match, but they did that on the Nitro. And they used to do like Bischoff and stuff. You used to tell them to do like underhanded stuff, like give the results away, didn't they, to some of the tape um, uh, rules and things like that. So, but then, you know, that backfired on them because then people would think, oh, fuck, really? Mankind's going to win the title. Like, oh, I've got to go and watch that. Do you know what I mean? That's quite a famous moment, isn't it? Yeah, where they give away the raw results and then everybody switched over in tandem because they actually really liked Mankind. They were like, oh, wicked. That sounds great. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, who's, who's the main event on WCW? Giant versus Luger. I think we'll give that one a miss. Like, But yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it, it was... Um, I, I, no, you're right. I never saw any of the WCW pay-per-views when I was, you know, during the actual Monday Night War era, sort of living through it. I've only seen them, you know, I've seen them in, in, in later years, um, even through tape trading and, and, you know, some some, some of the WWE Network and stuff. But where, but then I can, but, but just in reflection and to what I've re-watched and, you know, and, and what I can remember and, and just, you know, comparing the two um like if, i don't know from from 1996 to 1998 maybe wcw and wwe pay-per-views um you may watch one and and say you know you may trade off and say that yeah you know wcw had a better pay-per-view that month and WWE had a better pay-per-view that month or whatever, but once before that and after that, WCW, WWE just creamed them. Like WCW in 1999 
um, that 1999 and the and 2000 are terrible years for WCW. Their fucking programming just all of a sudden just became unwatchable, and um, a lot of people blame Vince Russo for that. And I think Eric Bischoff was burnt out for ideas, and I think he left in the early 99 as well. And they were sort of and 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 you know they had a they had a, a like what I, I just think what they didn't have was which WWE had is like with WWE, they're very disciplined company and Vince McMahon, especially at that time was the fucking guy who ruled with an iron fist and went, this is the way we're going. He'd obviously take, um, you know, advice and I'm sure he'd, he'd work with the wrestlers and he'd work with, you know, agents and whoever he needed to, to try and get the, you know, get their feedback. But, he was he was the main guy. Um, I don't think WCW, even with Eric Bischoff, I don't think they had the guy who ruled with the Iron Fist. I think they had booking committees and things like that. So you know, you, it was by the time by the time you got to ninety nine two thousand, there was no one no one really running it apart from Vince Russo and Vince Russo. I just didn't know wrestling and that it was it was so bad like there was there was some fucking embarrassing pay-per-views um around about that time when a lot of the big stars had had kind of um control over their contract as well didn't they the likes of um scott hall kevin nash hogan savage they actually they they could actually sort of you know predict and basically say what they wanted to happen in certain of their matches because they had that written in their contract. So I think that played a part in it as well, because if you're trying to write a compelling storyline and then somebody comes up to you and says, ah, in my contract says, ah, I can only lose two pay-per-view matches a year. I don't know whether that was in the contract or whatever, but basically sort of saying, ah, I I, I don't have to wrestle this one or yeah, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't really want to work this one. Like I can imagine that's very stifling for booking because I can imagine yourself as you know as jimmy star the the promoter of falling star wrestling if you've got a, a big storyline booked in your head and then people just come up to you and be like yeah i don't really fancy it mate uh can i can i can i wrestle jack this week and you just be like uh, how now you have to write something else in there and then your main event maybe doesn't look as good as it once did and the build up to that hasn't paid off so i can imagine it was quite frustrating whereas like you say vince McMahon probably had them under lock and key and went well you know if you don't wrestle this match you, you know you're gone forever you, you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a job and i'm sure a lot of people maybe bret hart that whole thing there they were like all right i'm going to wcw and that didn't really do them any favors but you know it, <laughs> no, <laughs> i guess and, that's the, that the way was, it goes and that's a prime example of the difference between wcw and, and wwe like you know that that angle with you know that Montreal screw job thing. Um, you know, Bret Hart appeared on fucking Nitro the next day or next week. They had the hottest wrestler in the world, in the fucking world. Um, WCW, they had him. They had him there, and they not only did they have him, they had him for the, the highest wrestling contract that the any any fucking wrestler has ever had, and they did nothing with him. And that's just that's the sort of point I'm making. It's like, you know, they just did not didn't know what to do with 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 these guys. And I don't know, like, it's Bret Hart saying that he wants to do things one way, and then it's like the people on the booking committee saying they want to do things the other way. And 
you know, like, you know what they say, you know, too many, too many cooks spoil the broth, you know, and, and that's, and that's, that's like you say, what happens with WCW coupled by the fact that you've probably got people like Hogan and, and guys, you know, who are, you know, that doesn't work for me, brother type storyline. And, you know, I don't want to lose to this guy or, you know, I don't think this guy should be, I should be wrestling this guy. Do you know what I mean? Or I don't think I should be doing this. So, you know, it's, it's got to be an absolute fucking nightmare because they haven't got anyone to go to, to say, you know, what, what, you know, fucking hell, like calm all this down and, and tell this person that, you know, they're an employee of a company. Like, you know, you've got to do what, 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 what you're told. And, you know, whereas WWE had that, you know, like you said, Vince man, okay, if you don't like it, then what idea have you got? Okay, I, I respect that. We can factor in some of that. But at the end of the day, you're doing this fucking job. Um, you're losing, um, you know, tough titty. If you don't like it, fuck off. And, you know, you can always fuck off to WCW. And by that point, he probably knew that they were going under anyway, and it, it's it's a that that that's that that was that was the thing that made the, the pay per view so bad to watch in 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 the in the nine in in ninety nine two thousand was the amount of like you know was was you like you'd have about like because yet they had such a huge roster a you'd have like about fifteen matches on a pay per view they'd all last about fucking six minutes. And they'd all end in a schmoz or a DQ or something like that. Nothing would be resolved. There would be no storytelling. There would be no excitement. Um, a lot of the shit wrestlers would, 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 but there'd be wrestlers like Stevie Ray wrestling Scott Norton. And it's like, what the fuck am I watching? You know what I mean? Like, things that you know, just, just matches that no one would care about. And, and, you know, it's a bit like AEW, but better and with shorter matches. You know what I mean? Like it's just overbooked nonsense. It just it. Whereas before, I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know what magic nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety eight held for WCW apart from the NWO and Goldberg. Like I don't know what magic it held for him. Um, but those those two years were really good years for WCW in terms of the quality of their pay per views and matches and stuff. But it just after that it just it fell apart so quick. Like if you think like their their peak, um, I think their their peak pay for pay per view WCW where they did the biggest business, the biggest fucking um, the revenue that that they've ever done was Starcade '97, which was Sting and Hogan. Um, and in 2001, they're dead. Do you know what I mean? That's fucking. What's that? It's not even five years, is it? That's for four years from the and so the star case December and um they were shut by March 2001. Um, so yeah, around about what four and a half years, three years, three and a half, four and a half years. I don't fucking know. Well, if if you think about it, if you go back to '97, you say like Hogan and Sting was the biggest match there and the best pay per view they've ever done, then when you fast forward a couple of years those two guys were still on top and they never had chance to develop anybody coming up apart from like you said Goldberg that they were never really set to last was they if they were going to keep the same guys on top for you know 
three, four, five years, people are eventually going to get bored and you're going to run out of storylines because there's only so many times you can do Sting versus NWO or Sting versus Hogan or then maybe you put Diamond Dallas Page in and it's Diamond Dallas Page versus the MWO and you just switch out somebody else and then you get bored of DDP and then it's Ric Flair and you got the same guys being recycled over and over and over again. Whereas on the other side of the other side of the you know the country you've got WWF who are developing new stars building new stars all these exciting storylines and then even after WCW kind of folded they've continued to do that they haven't always relied on the same guys you know they always bring them in for the for the last hurrah they get the, the big stars in like you know Goldberg and you know all these kinds of guys but they're, they're always developing new stars whereas that's WCW never did that they just got the older stars that were stars and never did anything with them and left people like Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, you know, like you said, Perry Saturn, Chris Canyon, Chris Jericho, uh, all the luchadors, you know, Ray, um, Raven, Lance Storm, even Mike Orson at one point, uh, Shane Douglas, all those guys could have been major players in WCW, but they just floundered in the middle and just never got anywhere. Nobody ever got a push apart from, you know, Hogan, Sting, Nash, Hall, Savage, maybe Booker T towards the end just because everybody else had left or the contract had run out or whatever. And they just never had chance to, to build any new stars. So they did. They had every chance in the world to build new stars. They had they had the, the, the cream of the crop or what was the cream of the crop from WWE um you know still especially when they initially came over in the in the mid 90s they 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 had the the biggest wrestlers in the world to 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 build stars with but but those stars just those those stars that you know like Hogan and Macho, Macho Man and you know all those people that we we you know a load of those people that we just mentioned um they didn't want to give up their spot it was just simple as that and they didn't have to because like we said earlier on in the podcast they they fucking that they they were in charge of their own they're in charge of their own storylines like you can't have the inmates running the asylum like you know i as fucking you know as much as uh as 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 and and you have to be realistic about it you have to be realistic about these sort of things like you know you there comes a time when you know, you've got to give back to the to the business, to the to the job that's 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 given you so much, and especially the sort of money these guys were earning. Um, you know, they but but they the greed took over. I think I think the greed took over, um, we and the politics took over, um, and you know the, the the show quality got poorer and poorer. So the TV networks probably didn't really want to, you know, didn't really look favorably upon the the product that they were showing, um, you know, it, and and they could see that WWE was the runaway success. So you know, any major TV network in America would that that that's the product they want. They don't want the the floundering WCW because you know you watch you watch some of these pay per views from um, you know ninety nine two thousand. And the few from 2001, they're drawing sort of, you know, 6,000 people or whatever, but they're drawing them in 15, 16, 20,000 seat arenas. Do you know what I mean? The place is, the place is half empty and uh, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. It, it just, it just looks shit. And, and the, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's an, it, it's an inmate running the asylum, asylum job. Now, I don't know why. I can't tell you for 100% certainty 
why WCW financially went under. I'm sure that they were owned. They, they were they were owned by Time Warner. They were, and and uh, I think uh, Ted Turner still had. You know, Ted Turner still had a. Um, you know, uh, uh, a hand in them as well. I'm sure financially they could have, they could have carried on. Um, but the decline in the programming, I can almost certainly say, was down to egos uh, and yeah, people just not wanting to push their, but you know, push push not you know not even push themselves aside, but use their star power to alleviate. Um, you know, to to alleviate the 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 wrestlers that were there. I mean, you get, like take take someone like take someone like Eddie Guerrero in WCW. Like from the WCW stuff that you've seen, what what how you know where was he the entire time um, on that show? He was only ever a lower to lower mid card wrestler the entire time he was there. He was there from '95 to. Um, to when they moved over at WWE for five years, yes. So he spent five years there, um, and he was just a lower to mid, lower middle card wrestler, wasn't he? That's all he ever was. And then in WWE, um, he fucking turned up in the year two thousand. He they sent him away for a year because he was out of his mind on drugs. When he came back, uh, sort of clean. They in by two thousand and by two thousand and four, um, he was WWE champion because they fucking pushed him. They they heard the crowd. The crowd loved him. They pushed him to the moon and back. Same as Benoit. I know he's, he's totally you know wiped off the face of the earth for 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 you know the the you know the murder suicide uh, job. But like you know he was just a middle card guy, maybe a little bit higher than higher than. Guerrero, I'd say probably in WCW, but only ever really just a, a mid mid card player. But would maybe you might win the US title, maybe maybe you might win you know the odd title here and there. But you know, within four years of being in WWE, he was champion, and the same pay view that Guerrero was. You know, these are people that WCW just just sort of fucking took for granted. But they were the people who who were you know, some of the greatest workers in the world. Exact same thing for Chris Jericho as well. He was only ever mid-card. The Probably the highest thing he ever did in WCW was when he did uh, sort of a match against Goldberg and they almost played it off as if Jericho was going to beat the streak. And I think people got angry at him for it. Then he comes over to WWE. His first night in WWE, he has a promo with The Rock and goes into a program. It's like <laughs> they knew he was a star and, and WCW were just like, that guy? Really? The guy with the silly ponytail and the beard and the, the flashy jacket? And WWE went, that guy's good. <laughs> let, 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 let's put him in a, in a prominent position. Yeah, and turns, WCW just up, didn't see turns him. Turns up in 1999. Jericho turns up in WWE in 1999. By 2002, he beats the fucking The Rock and Stone Cold in one night and becomes the undisputed champion. Um, yeah, within, three, within less than three years of being in the uh, company. Yeah, they, they, they knew how to build stars and push people. And there he stayed for many, many years. But now look at him now, right? And this is sort of the same as what's happening in AEW. Look at him now in AEW where he's got total control of everything he can do and everything that fucking he wants to do, he can do. Look at what's happening now. He, he's letting his ego dictate 
what what who he he who he thinks he is and his wrestling career and he's churning out a shite you know um it's it's, it's no coincidence you you do need to have someone you, you need to have a boss do you know what i mean like you have a boss who's fucking smarter than you and who knows what you're doing. I don't think I necessarily agree with you on that one. I know you're not a massive AEW fan, but I think I think Chris Jericho is not necessarily in the same tier as you know Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ric Flair. I think uh, Chris Jericho, yeah, he did go into AEW, was the biggest thing, became the champion, has kind of garnered his own storylines, but he has put guys over. Do you know the guy Orange Cassidy? Yeah, 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 I know him, yeah. He he put that he put that guy over big time. They did like a big payoff um, pay per view match. It was it was called a mimosa mimosa mayhem match. You don't want to get into it. Basically, you had to push the guy into a vat of mimosa. But that was a good match, and Jericho really really put him over. So I don't always necessarily agree, but I do to a certain degree. Like he's not going to go in there and you know. Cody Rhodes or whoever's doing the booking, you know, Arn Anderson, you know, Tony Khan, whoever's booking AEW, and they're not going to go, and Chris, you're losing to this person this week. He's going to go, hang on, mate, I'm Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm helping build this company. I think I'll have a little bit of a say, which to be fair, you know, uh, I feel like you, you, you would even do to your guys, the guys that have been there the longest that you have faith in might be able to dictate their storylines a little bit. But you're not going to ever, not ever going to let you know myself or Fury or Jaden or CW just have full reign of their storylines because we'd go mad with power, just like Hogan and you know those but, guys. But the thing is with Jericho, right? He he he, he um he might be pushing, he might be trying to get guys over, um, and that's and fucking I you know I that I you know I agree with that. But you know, would it have been better if he'd have put if him and Orange Cassidy? would have had a match like fucking you know like they would have had maybe in wwe um you know where you had a group of people or mcmahon some agents jericho with his input cassidy with his input or whatever construct something like you know cool construct the storyline that was cool that could really build orange cassidy up to build be a superstar or jericho put him over in a mimosa mayhem match which Let's 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 put it bluntly. Like, <laughs> fucking, he, he, put, he might have put him over, but I don't know if it's done Orange Cassidy any good. I don't I don't know if he's fucking. I don't know if he's a, 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 a superstar now. But like, no, not really. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. You can put people over, but you also have to put people over in 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 the right way and in the right context. And you know, because Jericho's star power is going to go down. When Jericho first turned up to um, AEW, it was a it was a really really big thing. But now people are taking the piss out of him, aren't they? They're saying he's just he's lost a step. He's fat. Fuck. He's this. He's that. And whatever. And you know that 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 I I, I, I don't know. I I don't watch enough AEW to 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 to, to really know. But it's it's you. It's like. Um, I don't know. It, it's this. This. There needs to be. There needs. There needs. There needs to be an overriding figure, a boss, and obviously things need to filter down. And ideas like 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 we do in 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 FSW in a way where you know I'm going to listen to fucking everyone's ideas. I'm going to you know and and I'm going to fucking you know and I and I you know you guys know your characters better than me. I know that. I know you guys know your physical um, limitations and physical capabilities better than me. I know that. 
I know that you're going to piece together a better match than me. Uh, than me. But if you turn around and say to me, like, um, at the end of my match, can I twat fucking um, someone's over the head with a barbed wire fucking bat and it's fucking have blood everywhere and then and then I want to fucking and then I just want I just want to you know like you know just as I'm walking out the ring like or whatever I'm gonna say no that's stupid because of this this and this and you know I know you wouldn't say that but believe me people have you know I mean some people have said (laughs) incredibly silly things um you know uh to to uh, you know to or, or or added unnecessary things which are like uh no this that's why this isn't gonna work and this is that the and this is why um you know but i'm leaving this largely down to you to make it work but you know fucking if you do that if you do this particular thing here and like push someone in a big fat of fucking uh cocktail or mimosa or whatever um you know it, it probably isn't gonna work you know but if you have a fucking really good like six months um six month fucking uh program where you know things just build up to this total crescendo crescendo and then orange cassidy goes over in a in a cage match cell match fucking hardcore match death match whatever i don't know you know and you put him over that way and he's had to earn it then yeah you've suddenly got someone who's who's a star on your hands because the, the you know you haven't just put him over in like a sort of Odd gimmicky match. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that, uh, that. That's just my. That's just my theory. That that isn't like, you know, that that isn't that isn't fucking because because what Jericho's done there, he's got someone who's gone. I want to make this guy, um, but then he's 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 chosen the. He seems like he's chosen a very very odd way to go about trying to make it. You know. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you, actually. It it does make more sense now you've broken it down, because now I think about it. Again, I don't really watch AEW as much as, you know, the next guy. I watch the odd pay-per-view and I try and kind of keep up with, uh, you know, results and storylines online. And I don't know what Orange Cassidy has done since that match, but I watched the recent pay-per-view and he was in kind of a tag match where he sort of got squashed by Rusev a little bit. No spoilers, but... Um, yeah, he's not really gone on to become, you know, TNT champion or be in that kind of realm or the the world heavyweight champion or in, in what I would call an interesting storyline. So I guess you are right, but I don't know what's happened in between those kind of twists and turns, whether him beating Jericho in a, in a gimmick match has actually helped him or not. But I would probably say at the moment it hasn't really because Jericho is still as relevant as he's always been. He's still one of the top guys and he's in, you know, a few of the top matches and championship matches, whereas Orange Cassidy, yeah, he got the big victory. But what's he up to now? Not very much. Tag match. Yeah. Putting other guys over. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it hasn't worked quite as well as I thought it would, and that's why you're a absolute wrestling god. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, I, no, no. The, no, the no. thing is, there's no right and no wrong, and I, I, I ain't, ain't about I ain't about being it ain't about being right or wrong. It's just about trying to, like you say, trying to make make your make stars so that they um, so that they draw more people um, to your shows, and and because you know you, you generate more fans. There's a, there's a, there's a, an example I'll, I'll give you now. I, I heard it I only only because I heard it on a podcast the other day, and um, it was um, it was you might have heard it yourself. And some of the, the 
you know, some of the listeners out there might have heard this story, but, you know, it's it sort of, think about it on these lines. There was meant to be a, a, a main event on Raw, and this was when Austin was really hot. And, um, though, you know, he, even when Austin was really hot, he very rarely just, you know, he would come to the ring and stun a shitload of people during a promo or a segment or something like that. But if he had a match, he would have a match with someone, you know, he'd give them a bit and, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd work together and then he'd stun them and drink a load of beer and whatnot. But it's that the person would still be better off for wrestling um, and, you know, having a, having, having a sort of, you know, com- um, competitive match with him. Um, he was meant to wrestle Mark Mero um, on a, on a rule. And, um, the week before the raw raw or whatever before he was embroiled in a in a feud mark mero with sable um you know they fucking you know they, they, they mark mero and sable came in together and anyone who watched ww at that time know that sable was super hot and t- you know tasty and on playboy and all that sort of stuff mark mero was sort of a bit of a mid carder and um they was they were going with sable over mark mero and um, so they, uh, on the Raw before Mero was me- meant to wrestle Austin, um, they did this little angle with Sable and Mero where Sable power bombed Mark Mero. And um, fucking Austin just literally just said, well, that's the only fucking wrestling me next week. He was like, why? He was like, well, he's just been power bombed by his fucking wife. Do you know what I mean? He's just been power bombed by his wife. Why? Why would why would fucking Steve Austin bother wrestling him or but or at least at least if he does wrestle him why would he bother why is the match gonna last any more than fucking two seconds he's just been fucking annihilated by his missus do you know what I mean by his fucking you know by by his fucking you know eight stone missus um, and uh, like you know. And and this is this isn't like a Charlotte Flair we're talking about here for people who don't remember or who know Sable was Sable was she was just a, a, a she's Brock Lesnar's missus now she's just a very she was just a very pretty pinup girl you know used to was a valet for for, for Mark Merritt so you know it wasn't like it wasn't like you know a big huge fucking you know female like Awesome Kong or someone like that you know. Powerbombing a powerbombing a normal sized guy. This was a a, a a model, a glamour model, powerbombing a fucking muscular man. Um, so Austin refused to work with him, and um, that's the sort of why I think of wrestling in a way. That's the sort of sense that I make, and that's and I wouldn't want want that for you. I wouldn't want you know. I wouldn't fucking put someone in a in, like if we were doing a show. And say, I don't know, say Jack was wrestling some fucking lad who I didn't know from from another promotion, but I knew he was going to be wrestling you for the next show. I wouldn't fucking let the guy I didn't know beat Jack in five minutes and then next month, or sorry, next week or wherever when you're meant to be wrestling Jack, Jack beat you for 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 a title, or Jack beat you at all? Because what does that make you look like? You know, like he's just been fucking, he's been smacked, he's been smacked about by Johnny Nobody, or maybe not Johnny Nobody, but someone who our fan fan base doesn't know. And then 
I'm fucking next week promote the, the next week promoting a match between two of my top stars, and you know it's all of a sudden become you know this com- co- uh, uh, hugely uh, competitive match, and you know who's going to win? Well, last week people the, the fans are going to remember that he got beaten by Skinny McFucking Wankerson, and you know all of a sudden all of a sudden he you know you can't beat him. It doesn't make it just doesn't make sense in my head, and that's that's what you got to think about as a as as a booker and as a wrestler yourself. You got to look at that yourself. You got you got to protect him. Like you got to protect yourself. I wouldn't have any problem if even if if you spotted that. If you come up to me and said, Jim, like fucking Jack lost last week to 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 nobody, like to to a to, to like a five foot two fucking dude from from whatever, from, from some academy somewhere. And I, I fucking, I don't think it's right that, that he should be, you know, that Jack should fucking be winning the title off me. If I didn't see that as a booker, that's, that's fucking my mistake. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 I would totally understand that logic. Do you know what I mean? Coming from a wrestler. And I think, I do think wrestlers should, should stand their ground for that, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. I know wrestling doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, wrestling's you are meant to suspend your disbelief and stuff like that. But you know, if you don't look after your stars and you don't look after um, your character, and the promoter doesn't have the common sense to look after your character as well, then you know, you, you, you and and you just keep quiet about it, then you you're never going to really raise yourself from you're never going to really raise your own stock, are you, or become a valued member of that particular company. Yeah, exactly. If you've got a guy that's losing every week and then he just turns around and wins the title, people are going to go, uh, I don't get it. Like he, he, he's a loser. We don't, we don't, we don't want to, don't want to see this guy as the champion. And I guess in a roundabout way, we've, we've kind of gone off topic, but in, in a real sense, we are actually describing WCW there. We're talking, taking those things to the extreme. It's allowing those guys to go and do whatever they want and have so much say in their, in their contract and in what they do in the matches that there's never any, anything that the bookers can do. So they probably lose interest in those guys and just let them, as we've said a few times, you know, the inmates are ruling the asylum and they just sort of go, right, we'll book the mid card guys. We'll book the, the cruiserweight guys. We're doing this little story for them. We'll book them and uh main event. We'll just have, uh, you guys figure it out, you know, you do what you want to do. And then, you know, Hogan turns around and goes, oh, I want to beat Goldberg for, for the title. And they're like, oh, I don't know about that. He's like, yeah, contract. If you don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sue you or I'm going to leave my contract or whatever. And then you, you're caught in a rock and a hard place there. Whereas, you know, you, you've got a little bit of an easier job in a sense of if we come to you and say, I don't think that's really right for my character, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it. There's going to be no contracts on the table. There's going to be no egos on the table. We're going to talk about it in a professional way and talk about it in what makes sense in a, in a wrestling term. But if you've got that much power and that much influence and you, you're that much of a star, there's no way that somebody like an Eric Bischoff and later on maybe a Vince Russo can turn around and just sort of say, uh, no, Mr. Hogan, you're not going to do that tonight because we're going to push Chris Jericho and he's going to go, Chris who? Never heard of him, mate. Who's that? Is he a big star in uh, WWF? Oh no, he's a mid-card guy to lower-card guy in WCW. Guess who I am? I'm Hulk Hogan. I, I basically built the NWO and I'm the biggest star in the in, in the country. And then Hulk Hogan walks off and does his own thing and Vince Russo goes, all right, I'm going to book a piñata and a pole match tonight just to <laughs> blow off some steam. And I'm yeah, kind of yeah. Well, there was. There was like, that, that's what they did in the end. They, 
They relied on these silly gimmicks, Matthew. I'm think that I'm sure they had Buff Bagwell's mum on a fucking crane at one point. <laughs> like legit. I, I think, I'm, did, not, I'm yeah. not joking. They legit had her on a fucking had her on one of those pallet truck things. I don't know what was going to happen to her if Buff Bagwell lost, but I think he won. And you know, it, it was it was, and and they had a lot of like people like that. People like Buff Bagwell. Like he he wasn't any good really. He had a good character. I quite like his character and his charisma. But he was never going to survive in the WWE because he had too much of an ego and he had too much of, uh, yeah, he just, he just, he just didn't have that. And WWE has a certain style about it, which you know we, we become a know as a, you know the, the the WWE style. You watch it now and you you can it's so blatantly obvious what their what their style is because unfortunately now they all they all wrestle the same. But you know, just I suppose to. Sort of come to sort of the sort of end, end well, not necessarily end of the podcast, but to wind down, it's like WCW had some amazing wrestlers, had some amazing moments, and um, had some amazing ideas. Um, and you know, thank God they did because the the real cream of the crop um, went over to WWE, and we had some of you know many good years of, of wrestling unfortunately now it's um it's 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 not so good um but i mean i just but that's that's probably i i i've, I've sort of come to the conclusion that with with myself that i from wrestling from from sort of my era and and you know me 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 starting as a professional wrestler and me being taught by by people and uh, uh, various different people and going out to the states and me be you know being taught by whoever you know God knows for uh, fucking all the people that have taught me wrestling and my psychology and what's been embedded in my head over over the years. Um, Maybe wrestling's just changed since then, just totally changed, and I just don't get it. I maybe that maybe maybe um, you know AEW and the and and NXT and all these crazy falsies and and all these matches that go on forever and people kick out of everyone's finishes. Maybe that's a new style of psychology which I just don't get um, because I I I because I've I've lost touch. It's a bit like I suppose. You know, fucking people were saying fucking music was much better back in the fucking seventies. You could actually fucking fucking ACDC, fucking you know, you could fucking rock out to them, and then listening to rage music and going, "What's this fucking bollocks?" Maybe I'm maybe I'm like that. Maybe I'm just the maybe maybe wrestling passed me by. Even though I've been watching it as a constant, maybe it's just it's just it's just passed me by, and I can't quite get to grips with the new. With the new psychology of, of of how of of how it's done, but I also feel that the lack of competition that WWE has um, doesn't help it, um, and that's why WCW um, was was good. It was another reason it was uh, you know it was it was so amazing. It was about because we had a, you know a good few years there of amazing television um and amazing wrestling um the, as wrestling fans we we would we it was like christmas like it was fucking they'll never i don't think there'll ever be a time like that again because i i aw is never going to be a serious contender because it's because it's so different 
Um, I think it's just going to have totally divided fans. I don't, I don't think it's going to, you know, I think, I, I, I don't think it's, a, I just don't think it will, will be a contender. I don't think anything can be a contender to the WWE um, anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's just, I think things like AEW and a lot of the independent promotions and things like that, maybe it has, maybe it has just passed me by, but if someone can please anyone just tell me to, well, I'm I'm gonna watch. Uh, we're gonna review. What was it called? Revolution. Yeah, yeah, the latest AEW pay per view. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna review AEW Revolution. I've I've watched a bit of it. I couldn't bear to watch all of it. Um, we're gonna review that on our next um, on our next uh, 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 podcast. And if anyone, any of our listeners out there, can sit there, and I'll I'll give you a match. I'll give you a match or two. And just tell me what the fucking psychology is. Tell me what what what. what just tell me what the psychology is of the match. Then I'll, uh, I'll 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 be quite happy to listen and learn off of you because it, maybe it has just 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 passed me by. I don't know. I don't fucking know. And there we have it, folks. Episode 43 in the can. Thanks for checking out the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast once again. Cheers to Jim for joining me and providing insight and analysis on all things WCW. If you want to follow along with all things FSW, you can find us on social media at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram. As restrictions begin to be lifted in the coming months in the UK, they will be the places we'll make our announcements for the rest of 2021. So go and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me there too at PVC Pro Wrestler and Jim's on Facebook at Jimmy Star Wrestler. While I still have you, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. And as you heard at the end of the show there, we're looking to review the most recent AEW show in the next one. That's if Jimmy can make it through the show without pulling his luscious hair out. Cool, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.